Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by my son, Albert Feliciano Jr., affectionately known as AJ. Each week, we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's AJ with today's word. All right, here we go. How many of us came with some expectancy in our heart today? How many of us are ready to break the curse of sin, break bondage off of our life? We sing, we praise that there's no bondage, but do we mean it? Do we really run to the Father every Sunday? Do we really run to the Father Monday through, Monday through Sunday? I'm here to give you a word that the Lord has inspired in my heart. I'm being obedient. This is something that I know it's my call. I know that I'm supposed to be here. The enemy tries to distract me. The enemy tries to say that I'm not worthy to even stand here. But I know that the Lord will use whoever. He used the donkey, right? I'm not a donkey. <laughs> Come on now. We got to start living in truth. We got to know who we are in Christ, right? So right now, everyone bow our heads. Let's just pray. A lot of people say, oh, this church prays too much. Well, that's because we commune with God. <laughs> and when you have a relationship with Christ, you're able to speak with him. It's when you say that this church prays too much, it's because you don't pray at all. So the reality is, come with me and let's commune with our Father in heaven. Lord, I lift you up right now. I magnify your name, Father God. I thank you for what you're going to do in my life and my brothers' and sisters' lives that are here today. I know that this is a word for this season. This is a word for now. This is a word for this time. Lord, bring back the backslider. Bring back the wayward child, O oh God. Lord, I pray right now for a fresh anointing. Touch my lips, O oh God. Let me speak your words, not my words, Lord. Let me decrease so you can increase in my life, Father God, and increase in everyone's lives here, O oh God. Lord, I pray against any distraction. I pray against any spirit of slumber that tries to come in. I pray against the uh, confusion. I pray against anything that will interrupt the move of God. And I declare that everyone would stay steadfast, stay focused, and receive what they came for. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Amen. Amen. So I got to get used to this. Hopefully there's a battery in this thing. <laughs> Let me see. Here we go. So the name of my sermon is The Prodigal Religion. <laughs> We're going to open up in Luke 15, 11 through 32. And I know worship was long. If you want to stand to observe... You can stand if you want to stay seated. No pressure. When we have it, say amen and we'll dive right in. <clears throat> we there. Amen. So Luke 15, 11 through 32. It's the parable of Jesus where he said about the prodigal son. Then he said... A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, 
Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there washed his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to, his, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and the sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is now alive again. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you have never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. Your brother was dead and he's alive again. And he was lost and now he is found. <laughs> Come on now. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere, people. You guys may be seated. <laughs> I might get the hang of this real quick. <laughs> there we go. Let's see. Perfect. Prodigal. So as I'm doing the studies, I'm looking up in the Webster Dictionary, you know, what is prodigal? You know, we read all the parable of the prodigal son. What is prodigal? The definition of prodigal is spending money or resources freely and recklessly wastefully extravagant 
So keep that in the back of your mind. Prodigal living, wastefully extravagant, spending money of resources freely, recklessly, without a care in the world. Oh yeah, perfect, perfect. So you know me, my mother, my father, you know, my mom has showed me not now. People don't manifest because we're not talking about numerology, but God speaks with numbers, okay? There's reasons why there was 10 commandments. You know, 40 days Jesus fasted. There's a bunch of numbers that we get in scripture, and God is trying to say something. He repeats certain things, and, and certain things happen, and it's, there's always like a number that goes with it. So in the study, I'm looking, I'm saying, this man had two sons. The number two represents a faithful witness and being set apart. So even from these two young men's birth, God had them set apart. Obviously, in this parable, because Jesus taught in a lot of parables, so it's, it was understanding. It was palatable. They were able to understand it. How many of us still need parables today? Because sometimes when you're reading scripture, you're like, yo, what? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what this means. You know, God, give me the interpretation. Speak to me. This is why Jesus spoke this way. This is why he taught this way. Now, Obviously, you can read it with the logos. You know, that's effective. There was a father with the two sons, the whole story. It's, 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 there's so much in here that you can just grasp from. But the rhema, who was the father? We're talking about God. God is the father, right? He had two sons. What I see in this story is the two sons represented. One of them represented ourself us the other son represented the believers around us that serve god with us i'm going somewhere <laughs> so in luke 15:13 we're skipping a couple it says and not many days after the younger son gathered all together journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living now, as I'm reading this, I notice verse 13. I was like, what does the number 13 mean? The number 13, as one might guess, represents rebellion. What is rebellion? Witchcraft. <laughs> That's a sermon for another day. <laughs> but he was in riotous living. He was in rebellion. He decided, he says, and not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions. It was the inheritance that he took. So, let's go there. The prodigal son goes to his father and asks him for his full inheritance immediately. Now, I pause there. Because if you know what an inheritance is, you only receive an inheritance when your father or mother dies. The only way you can get an inheritance it's yours already, but you have to wait. There's a time and place for everything. But the father had to die. So when the son asked his father for his inheritance, it's basically him saying, you're dead to me already. Just give me what's mine, and I can do my thing. I can leave. You're dead to me already. I don't care about you. Give me what's mine. When the son approached his father... He was basically telling his father, dad, you are dead to me, right? He was saying indirectly, I want nothing more to do with you. 
you have basically just lived as my, as my father. I don't respect you. You're nothing to me. I don't even talk to you. Just give me what belongs to me. Do we see ourselves here? Come on now. He ridded himself of the father. He cut it off. Cut it off. Cut the relationship. The father in this story lovingly and graciously, because we have such a good, good father. You know, we have a free will church. This is, a, this is not a church that, that believes in just, oh, we have no say, we have no, like, we're just robots. We're not robots. You choose this day whom you will serve. We were praying earlier. If you reject God, then you can't be with God. Because they say, why does God throw people in hell? What, if he's so loving, how do, they, how do people end up here? When you reject God, he rejects you, right? What did Jesus say? If you reject my father, I will reject you. But the crazy thing is, you know, this, this word cuts as a double-edged sword. It cuts me, it cuts you. Because the speaker cuts the listener. So he gives the full inheritance. The son takes all of the earthly possessions and begins to waste them on riotous living, prodigal living. Here we go. <laughs> this young son was as stubborn as a mule. Did you know that mules are the dummies in the horse line? <laughs> mules are basically used for one thing, to carry the loads of others on their backs. They're not even to be ridden. They're just to, to, to pull the loads, to pull, right? Don't ride them. You don't exercise with them. They're mules. But as I begin to, to think about this, how many of us Christians, right, Christians, are mule-minded You know, we come to church, we bring our burden to the altar, we raise our hands, no bondage, no bondage, I'm free from sin. Repent, and then you do the same thing tomorrow. Do the same exact thing, you're just a mule. And you know what's crazy? We're referred to, you know, we're, we're you know, lambs, we're sheep, right? Sheep? <laughs> this is not even in my notes. We're referred to sheep, right? The people, the sheep. We have the shepherd, the sheep. The sheep are a dumb animal. <laughs> but the shepherd caters to them. The shepherd, when, when they hurt themselves, they, the shepherd picks them up, nurses them back, brings them back to the flock. We regress to the point where we are, where we are a little value to the things of God. Not because God made us this way, but because we made ourselves this way. So let's go on the riotous living. This boy went on into riotous living, right? He dreamed of greatness, but instead he found great temptation. 
He dreamed of adventure, but instead found agony. He dreamed of prestige, but found himself in poverty. He dreamed of romance, but instead found himself in the rags. He dreamed of happiness and found himself with the hogs. This is a quote by Dr. Ed Cole, the late Dr. Ed Cole. Sin promises to serve and please, but it would only enslave and dominate. There's another quote by the late Dr. Ravi Zacharias. And you know what? Let me just pause right here. Because you have all this stuff coming out of Mr. Dr. Rav Zac Ravi Zacharias destroying his ministry. My brother, Jaron Jr., he says this morning, it blew my mind, bro. You blessed me this morning. He says that David's sins were documented. <laughs> we read them. We see how bad he was. But he was a man after God's own heart. He was the apple of God's eye. You know, we, we sin, we fall, and then we stay there. When God has a purpose for us, the sin is what holds us back. Aren't we the apple of God's eye? Aren't we a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart? Our sins aren't recorded. God records them. Your brother next to you, your sister next to you, they might not know your sins. They may see you as a holy person. You may inspire them to serve more. But you yourself don't serve God the way they do. And they just started. They're babes. They're babes in Christ. They're young in, in the things of the Lord. <laughs> Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you wish to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. Dr. Ravi Zacharias. He was a man of God. He fell too. It's documented. But we don't, we don't just disregard all the teachings that the man did. You know how many came to Christ through his ministry? You know how many gems? Maybe there, may, what if he didn't get to, to the Lord? That's, not my, that's above my pay grade. But the people that got inspired, the people that started serving Christ in spirit and in truth, started walking the walk, that God's purpose for Ravi Zacharias was that. So stop trying to go into, oh, look at the emails. Oh, look at this. But look, his wife is. No. That, we're, we're the only army that attacks our own. We're an army of God and we stab each other in the back. Friendly fire. We're the only army in the world. And we're the strongest army. Right? We're a spiritual army. The weapons are not against flesh and blood, but the, the principalities. But we kill our own. Come on. This son did all the things that only brings temporary satisfaction. Now, where I'm going with this is not going to be fun. <laughs> Wasn't fun for me. <laughs> yeah, but my father said, buckle up, I'm going in. <laughs> his flesh was being temporarily satisfied, but his spirit was grieved. Think of the word temporary. He deceived himself 
by his own wicked lust and desires. Let's go to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. This one's good. This one brings conviction. This is not my words. This is in the Bible. <laughs> Galatians 5, 19, 19 to 21. There it is. We there. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. There's a lot of that going on today. Heresies, envy, murder. This one's big. Drunkenness. Oh, we Christian. We can have beer and wine. We're chilling. <laughs> Just don't drink strong drink. That's what the Bible says. But when you get drunk off of beer, you're a drunkard. When you get drunk off of wine, you're a drunkard. Okay? So don't be deceived. That it's. Let's not go there. <laughs> The reality is we have to live for Christ in spirit and in truth. You know, if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you on having your glass of wine with your dinner, you want to have a glass of wine with your wife, hey, you know, to each his own. It's when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when he says, you know, I don't want this from you. You know, there's a blessing in the answer, no. When God tells you no, that's a good thing. That means he's bringing you somewhere. My brother George, here it is, right? I talked to my brother last night. We were, you know, haven't seen him in a while. Happy he's here. Um, but I was telling him a quote that I heard from brother George at the men's conference. And he says that the road you take to avoid your destiny is the road to your destiny. <laughs> I'll say that again. The road you take to avoid your destiny is the road to your destiny. So don't think, <laughs> it's true, it's true, sister. God is like the master chess player, right? <laughs> we have people, right? There's people that, you know, they go in competitions. Got the Chinese people, they be nasty at chess. They got like Chinese chess, like, yo, three, three tier chess. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm stuck at like bishop and rook, like, what's the difference? <laughs> but God knows our next move. He's like the master chess player. We have a free will. We decide where to go on the chessboard, but the opponent is God, and he knows your next move. So he says, let me put this here. Let's put the knight right there because I don't want them to go there. And if they go here, I'm going to cut it off right there. They will lose that piece. They will lose that, that girl, their boo. <laughs> the one, that, the one that, that does all the right things but doesn't serve God. God says, okay, go there because I'm just setting you up. Put the knight right here, bink, done. That's the abonics. Bink means like gone. <laughs> Those are from my Joshua tribe crew. <laughs> yes, we'll be speaking in abonics. <laughs> but God is good. So where did we leave off? Okay, the fleshly works. Here we go. Yep. Let me finish that. Just as I also told you in the past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They, so all the works of the flesh that we just read 
If you find yourself in that portion of scripture, repent. You know, get up. The righteous fall down seven times. They get up. Come on now. I want to inherit the kingdom of God. You know, I'm up here. You know, maybe I don't have it all together in my life, but the reality is God will use me. And I'm here to be transparent with you. I'm not perfect at all. Far from it. I'm not good. But even when the man went to Jesus and he called him good teacher, he says, no one is good but the Father. And he was talking to the Father. <laughs> Let's seek the kingdom of God. Let's get there. Let's kill the works of the flesh. Die to self. Crucify that. If you find yourself in this passage of scripture, that's what you need to work on. That's what you need to repent of. God will fix everything else. You don't come to God clean. You come to God unclean, and he will make you clean. I'm clean because God is clean, right? I'm holy because Christ is holy. AJ, I'm filthy, but Christ in me is clean. And don't we, aren't we linked with Christ? Aren't we in the Abrahamic covenant? We read all these beautiful things in scripture, but meanwhile, we're always downcast. We're always with our heads down. We always can't figure it out. Know who you are in Christ. It's time, church. We, we don't got time to play games no more. Start to know who you are, who you serve. Stand for Christ, especially in this time when it's not cool to serve God. When there's so many other things. The world has everything to offer, but it really offers nothing. The prodigal son gave zero thought of his actions. No fear of consequences. No worry about his eternal fate or his eternal destiny. Just give me what I want. Give it to me now. I don't care about you. I just want to do me. Isn't this what we do with Father God? I don't care about following you. I don't want to obey you. If I obey you, that means I have to switch my lifestyle. It means I can't do the things that I used to do. Right? Wide is the path. Narrow is the path of the believer. Just answer my request. Give me what I want. Give it to me now. This prodigal son to his father... And us with God. This is, this, is, this is it right here. We sometimes, not sometimes, maybe all the time, we look at God like a genie. We say, give me what I want. We go, give me what I wish. And then the crazy thing is, God gives it to us. And we're like, hallelujah. Yo, we, yo, we sing extra loud on Sunday. <laughs> yo, daddy gave me a brand new pair of shoes. <laughs> But then we get what we want and we forget about God. And then we find ourselves right in the pig pen. <laughs> so let's talk about the temporary fleshly desires. Okay? This one's really good. So when I began to think, you know, we were reading in Galatians 9, 9, uh, 5, 19, through, uh, 20, uh, 19 to 21. Those are the works of the flesh. But, you know, sometimes we read scripture and we say, oh, you know, that was, that was back then. Idolatry. I don't serve carved images. 
Well, whatever you put before God is an idol. Whatever you worship, well, you may not think you're worshiping it, but whatever takes the place of God, you are now in idolatry. And I'm talking everything. You know, we can give the, the, the you know, money. You know, we can, we can talk about light stuff. But, you know, even money, right? It's temporary. You get your money, you get your paycheck, you got bills. You know, it's funny, I was just at my cousin's house. He called me, they just got a house, him and his wife. Congrats, guys. <laughs> but he calls me, yo, cuz. I got no hot water. <laughs> the plumber. That's why my mom, she says, oh, you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, no, nah, I'm a plumber. The other P. <laughs> God knows all things. But it's funny because even that, you know, they got their house. They had victory. And then it's like, boom, hot water heater goes out. Money, temporary. From one hand to the next. We got to pay our bills, right? What belongs to Caesar, give back to Caesar. We read these teachings and we're like, oh, that's not for me. That's the New Testament. Get it together. <laughs> that's this age. <laughs> but think about the desires. Look, our friends, temporary. I'm 25. I've been eight years out of high school now. I probably have one friend from high school. And I used to roll deep with my friends in school, like whole pack walking. You know, where are they today? Temporary temporary food let's go to me and my wife for foodies we go out to banging spots eat good temporary <laughs> temporary satisfaction you you satisfy the flesh it's good going down temporary clothing fashion fashionistas <laughs> people that, you know, spend crazy money on, on clothes. I'm guilty. I like to dress nice. Temporary. You can't bring none of it with you. You satisfy the flesh. You look fly. But that ain't going to get you to heaven. You could be the flyest guy in the room. That ain't getting you to heaven. When we're probably just going to be wearing robes in heaven like that, floating. <laughs> like, we're trying to... <laughs> trying to deck ourselves out here, but meanwhile, we're wearing white robes in heaven. <laughs> Yo, I don't even know if we have feet in heaven. Like, spent all, yeah, a whole closet full of kicks. <laughs> me, and, me and my father-in-law. Yo, I'm like shouting mad people out today. Me and, me and my father-in-law, we have this thing. Yo, we like, who has the nicest kicks? <laughs> now, this man been alive for 41 years. So he got like the OG stuff, like, <laughs> like yo, what? <laughs> but we had this conversation through text, and, you know, we're sending each other the different, you know, Jordans and the different, you know, things of the world. And I was like, you know what I'm trying to get? I'm trying to get these Jesus 7s, and I sent him a pair of chancletas. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to wear, bro. <laughs> that's it. As long as I can get to glory, that's all that matters to me. <laughs> Now, we're going to touch on some hard subjects. This one's real. Drugs. Feel good. Smell good. Taste good. Temporary. 
You can be high as, as high as you want to be. You can ascend. You can, you know, I, I got some rhema with this. Why do people get high? Why is it so hard to get over an addiction? Why is it so hard to get over the drugs of choice? Whatever it is, the Lord revealed to me. It's because they're void of the Holy Spirit. When you have that void filled by the Holy Spirit, he will satisfy those urges. He will satisfy that hunger. He will satisfy. Look, addiction is a real thing. My oldest brother is an addict. I pray for him every day. Pastoral family, addict. Come on, church. We're regular people. We suffer in these things. Am I speaking to someone today? We, we do these things and it's temporary satisfaction. Temporary. Not eternal. Temporary. Three hours, you're high. Seven hours, people be doing crazy stuff. But it's, it's in a time period where, what if you lost your life in that moment? This one is an ouch and amen. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Temporary. <laughs> Sex. First of all, sex is not a bad thing. If you're a husband and wife, where's my Mary crew at? <laughs> Yo, sex is the bomb, kid. <laughs> but it's temporary. Work, you put in work for 30 seconds. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right? <laughs> Temporary. Temporary feelings. Temporary feelings. <laughs> Reel it back. <laughs> nah, nah, come on. <laughs> it's temporary satisfaction. But what does it say? The works of the flesh. Fornication. We have people that are up here, up on the pulpit, worshiping in spirit and in truth, but are fornicators. It's a fact. Fornication. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are not married, sex is not for you. Okay? Somebody got to say it. That is for a husband and a wife. Husband and wife. Husband and wife. Okay? This one's going to suck, but it's true. You know, we, we have this whole gay community rising up. Oh, uh, you know, love is love. Okay, well, there's two different L words. You have lust and you have love. God didn't design a man to be with another man. God didn't design a woman to be with another woman. So even in that act, it's lust. It's not love. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you think I'm, I'm not living in contemporary times. Listen, I'm not bound by this time. I, I got a destination, right? We're just pilgrims. We're just here. They're sojourners. It's not my word. God even said it's an abomination. Oh, but that's the old translation. No. Some translations, they take stuff out. 
We have to be careful what we read. What did it talk about? Heresies? We have a lot of translations. Oh, how do you believe scripture? There's so many different interpretations. There's so many different, you know, oh, but this theologian says this, and this guy says this. Well, I don't serve man. I serve Christ. What did Christ say? Me and my boy, Brandon, it's my guy. <laughs> he, t- he told me something the other day. I was like, yo, that's crazy. He says, you know what we need to start doing? We need to just start reading what the red says. What's it written in red? That's what we need to start studying. Because that's what Christ said. That's what God said. Now, the whole scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So don't get me wrong. Don't be like, oh, but the, you know, the prophets. And yes, I believe that. Amen. I'm an Old Testament freak. I love the Old Testament. But the reality is, is Christ didn't come to abolish the old laws. He came to fulfill them. The entirety of thy word is truth. The prophecies is just to prove that God is awesome. <laughs> it's just to prove who he is. Can we move on from the, the, the works of the flesh? <laughs> right, turn to your neighbor and say, I hope we ain't talking about you. <laughs> this picture, right? It's, it's crazy. It's sad. I was looking at this. I was like, wow. You know, famine. Famine. Famine struck the land. A time of crisis. All of his poor choices left him in a terrible situation. Now he's in want, he's in lack, and he's starving. The prodigal son now linked himself to a citizen in the country. Think of the word citizen for a minute. Citizen is, this is the definition. Citizen is a legally recognized subject, an inhabitant of a particular town or city. When this young man linked himself to the citizen of the town, he was in and he was no longer belonging in his father's house. He was linked to the citizen of the town. So he basically disconnected, and now he's in another place. He changed teams, people. He switched sides. He cut it, he cut it off himself. He went to the other side. He is now linked to a citizen, but he has become an outcast to his father's house. How many of us are linked or have become citizens of sin? He lost it all. He had no money, no friends, no job. He was oak. He was too broke for the BR. (laughs) he was oak (laughs) he couldn't even afford the BR and broke (laughs) and now a terrible famine struck the land this prodigal son 
made his own bed, and now it's time to sleep in it. He is now forced to take care of pigs. For a Jew, right, a Jew, a pig is the last animal on earth that they should be around. Pigs are unclean animals for an unclean son. When we stray away from the Father, everything around us becomes unclean. Because, you know, we did a whole study Wednesday night, pigs in the parlor. Awesome class, awesome. But the pigs represent demons, unclean spirits. You know, when you read the, the story about the prodigal son, you don't have to be like, oh, well, I'm not in a pig pen. You know, I'm not, feed, I'm not eating with the pigs. I'm not eating with the swine. The reality, uh, the ra- reality is, is if you entertain unclean spirits, now you are in the pig pen. You dine with them. You fellowship with them. You're with them. You're connected with them. The passage tells us that he gladly would have filled his stomach with all that the swine ate. His fall from grace became so great that he finds himself surrounded by pigs eating pig slop. His bondage became normal life. And he didn't even realize how far he sunk. A son who had everything, an heir to his father, lost it all. Every single thing. He was, now remember, he was given it already. And he lost it. He had it before he should have, and he lost it. How many times God gives us what we need, what we, what we need to, to live? Like I said, we praise him for when he gives it to us, and we curse God when he takes stuff away. He has become a servant to pigs instead of a servant to God. As he served the pigs, he began to think of the servants in his father's house. Even the servants of my father's house have food enough to spare. Even the servants live better than he does, and he is of his father's kin. Here I am as a servant to these filthy pigs. Luke 15, 18, it says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, this was interesting to me because even in the parable, Christ talks about that he sinned against heaven first, then before his father. Doesn't the commandment say, honor thy father and, your mo- uh, honor thy father and mother? So when you sin against your parents, you sin against God. It no longer matters what mom and dad did to you. 
and no matter, no matter longer is what you've seen growing up. You know, you have one person serving God, the other parent not serving at all. You begin to get confused, right? Forgive your, fam- forgive your parents. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Forgive who hurts you, especially your mother and father. Unforgiveness won't be in heaven. And if you have unforgiveness in your life, then you might not get there. Because now you make yourself bigger than Christ. Because didn't Christ die, forgave us for our sins? He forgave us. When they were mocking him while he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they even do. When he was thirsty, they gave him vinegar, gall. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. When they beat him, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Stop making yourself bigger than Christ. Forgive. Let go. If your father and mother is gone, have a brother or sister in the church stand in proxy for that person. Talk to that person. Say, I forgive you for all the hurts. I forgive you. There's restoration. Forgiveness isn't for the person. It's for you. It's so you can live accordingly to Scripture. So you can worship God in spirit and in truth. Nothing will hinder your praise. Nothing will hinder your prayer life. The number 18. This is crazy. It represents two different things. There's a positive and a negative. And if you're wondering, hey, Brother AJ, where are you getting this from? This is an awesome book. It's called Numbers That Preach, Understanding God's Mathematical Lingo by Troy Brewer. Awesome, awesome. Definitely recommend getting it. This is, like I said, it's not numerology or anything like that. It's just this guy, Troy Brewer, you know, he's, he was in his studies and he was showing how even scripture, like when they break down the verses, like the numbers that align with them, it's awesome. Like 10 is the number of law. Every time you go to scripture and you see that verse 10 has to do with the law God gave or laws being given, it's awesome. So 18, in the positive, it means life and that more abundantly. In the negative, it means the bondage of sin. Now, if you notice Luke 15, 18, it says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He was in the positive. Life and that more abundantly. But he was also in the negative in that pig pen. He was in the bondage of sin when he chose to to stand up. See how it it goes together? Ties in. He came to his senses. He got up, got out of the pig's pen. He rose up and rose out of the bondage of sin, and he found himself. He decided to repent of his sin and return to the Father. It's funny, you think of Jesus, whenever he went to heal someone, he says, do you want to be made well? No, people want Jesus to just pick them up and and heal them. But you got to believe, right? Think about the the man, 38 years by the pool of Bethesda. (laughs) If I was him, I would have been like, yo, once that angel came and stirred it up, I would have been rolling, yo. (laughs) 38 years. 
You know why? Because he probably made his money. People felt bad for him. He was there. He was by the pool. <laughs> 38 years. You can't live for 38 years without eating food. That means he ate. He had it made in the shade with broken legs. <laughs> par par paralyzed. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? Get up. Pick up your mat. But you have to choose to be made well. Because God wanted the faith to be birthed in you. Get up from the bondage of sin, church. But the question I ask, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be out of the bondage of sin? Or does it feel too good? Your flesh is being satisfied, but your spirit is being grieved. You do the same thing. We sit in church. We get what we came for. And then we go back home and we live like we want to. In his repentance, he felt unworthy to be called a son again. How many feel like that? I'm not worthy. I'm not even worthy to be called a child of God. He came to terms and he says, I will be a servant in my father's house. Now the father was watching for his son from afar off. He's a good, good father. I wonder how many times the father was like that, looking for his son. That's God with us. He's looking for us. He sees us in the pig pen. But you got to get up. You got to go. He's there waiting for you. Choose you this day. When he saw his son returning home, he ordered his servants to kill the fatted calf. Why? God is a God of covenant. God requires blood because there's life in the blood. That's why Christ poured out all of his blood. You know, you have people that say, oh, but why did Jesus have to die this way? He had to. For this very reason I came. He bled so much that when they pierced his side, water came out, living water. There was no longer blood in his body. He spent it all. The price was paid. That's my God. All these false gods, they didn't die for you. You have fat Buddha sitting on a thing, eating, eating oranges. And people like bow to this guy. He's dead. Seriously. Like, what did Buddha do for you? His words are in, his words are in a cookie today. Like, <laughs> like, think about that. How do you fry the cookie with a pig? Never mind. <laughs> think of Mohammed. False God. False God. Allah so holy. He's so holy. But meanwhile, in the Quran, it says Allah is the God of this world. <laughs> what does Corinthians say? The God of this world is Satan. So if you are in the Muslim faith, get up. 
you're being deceived. Or, or the new move, Chrislam, because we got to accept, we got to accept them. No. There's no way to the Father except through Christ. You can go, look, right? Muhammad, he ascended from the Dome of the Rock, but his bones are still in the grave. That makes no sense. That's a contradiction. Not only did Christ resurrect, but he continued in ministry. Picking up right where he left off. He just had to fulfill the prophecy. Knock down this temple and in three days it will rise again. Because God is a God of order. He starts in the positive, ends in the positive. God doesn't go back on his word. God fixes, he restores, and he does what he says he came to do. He had to keep the covenant. Right? Let this cup pass from me. But let it be your will, God. Your will be done. Not my will, your will. And it's the same person we're talking about. People can't fathom that. The Trisagian, the Trinity. Trinity's not even in the Bible. Right? You have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Did you know that we, we're one person, but we're triune beings? Flesh, spirit, soul. Three and one. What are we? Human beings. Who are we? Is I'm Albert, Alec, Stefan, right? Same thing with Christ. Who was Christ? He was, a, he was a human being, right? What was he? A human. Who he was, was God. That's not even on my notes. <laughs> when he saw his son returning home, he ordered his servants to kill the fatted calf that was the covenant. He placed a robe on his son to cover his filth of the world, clothed in righteousness. He placed the gold ring. What does that represent? Ownership. Put it right back on him. You belong to me. People forget about, they always think about the robe and the ring. But he, it says that he also gave him sandals. Walk in peace. You're home. Welcome home. Boom, here it is. The second son became jealous and his anger arose. He complained to the father. The father rebuked him. You have always been with me. Everything I have is yours. You never lost it. It's like he had to remind him. How many times does God have to remind us who we are? It is good that you celebrate for your brother because he was dead and now he's alive. Rejoice. How much of God's work is hindered by the sin of jealous brethren? The brother was offended and became critical. He had a grumbling spirit. The brother grumbled when he should have been giving God the glory. And verse, look, verse 28, 29. He should have been giving God the glory. His own views of himself made him exaggerate his own righteousness. 
like he was so good. I never left you. Why are you treating him this way? I was always here. I've been serving God for 40 years. But you sit in the pews and do nothing for the kingdom of God. Your butt is saved. Seriously. You sit in the chair and do nothing. His poor attitude made him feel sorry for himself. His grumbling spirit made him forget all that he already had as a son of the father. No wonder things aren't as they were supposed to be. You have something against your brother, go and make it right in Jesus' name. This second brother worked hard for his father, but cared nothing for his own brother. He was self-righteous and believed his own height. <laughs> he had false humility about himself. He was probably upset that his brother even came back. Because now, he's going to lose some of his inheritance. It was better off that his brother was dead because he just wants him for himself. I want God for myself. How many of us don't go and evangelize because we, God is so loving, we just want him for ourselves? But your very brother, your very sister, your very family is going straight to hell. But you got your Jesus. You lift holy hands on Sunday. Oh, I got the goosebumps. I feel so good. The word was on fire. You know, pa pastor's son can preach. Got to change, people. We got to go. We're going to the next level, right? We're moving on up. He must have thought, what is going to happen to my inheritance? There was two brothers. There was two different reactions and one absolute loving father. It is possible, is it possible, that you might see yourself in this story? That's the question. We say, where are you going with this, AJ? Why, why even this title, the prodigal religion? That sounds like blasphemies. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> How many of us want it all right now? Right? It's our inheritance. We want it. We want it all now, but are not prepared to have a relationship with the Father. We want the inheritance, but we don't want the Father. We want heaven on earth, but we don't want the God in heaven. Heard that? We want heaven on earth, but God can stay up there. <laughs> Isn't it on earth as it is in heaven? We all want the benefits and the blessings, but we don't want the behavior nor the being. 
others pray without ceasing. We read that scripture, pray without ceasing, and we do it. God grants our petition. God answers our prayers. God gives us the desires of our heart. Then we go about our own business Monday through Saturday without a care. We come back to the Father on Sunday and start all over again. This is the true essence of the prodigal religion. We get what we want. We get it. We have victory. And then Monday through Saturday, we're back in the pig's pen. If you find yourself in that category, you are serving the prodigal God. Making sense, church? We all live like we want without the fear of God or the fear of consequences. We live like we want Monday through Saturday, no change, no surrender, no identity with Christ. Then each Sunday morning, we carefully run back to the Father. I'll go as a servant. Then we see the Lord with arms wide open. He embraces us. He gives us our robe. He gives us our ring. Get our sandals. We jump. We praise. We speak in tongues. We do backflips. We serve going crazy in church. But then we live how we want to. We repent each week for the very same thing. over and over and over again. We come, to the, we come to the Father and we repent of the same sin we repented of the week before. Did you really repent? How many prayers, do you have, how many prayers of repentance do you have to pray to be forgiven, right? <laughs> We're all going to fall. No one is perfect. I know that the struggle is real. I know that sin is hard. And, you know, we have such a good, good father that he will forgive us. But don't we have to mature at some point? Like, it's the same thing. You're cheating God's grace. When we have been forgiven of all of our unrighteousness and redeemed from all of our sins, Jesus always said in Scripture, go and sin no more. What does that mean? You're waiting for like a crazy answer. It means go and sin no more. <laughs> go and sin no more. You're like, oh, AJ, what rhema do you have for this one? <laughs> it means stop sinning. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? Like Geico, even a caveman could do that. <laughs> there is zero vagueness in this statement. There's zero ambiguity in this statement. 
it's crystal clear. Go and sin no more. When we come to Christ, he forgives us with his salvation. We cease doing the sin we came for. That is called repentance. The deepest level of change anyone can receive. Repentance. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is by grace, rules out all human effort, lest anyone should boast. Saving grace is not of yourself, but it's a gift of God. Even faith is not of yourself and is a gift from God. There's an illustration. A father took his two boys to the town fair. He purchased a roll of tickets and gave some to his sons. One of his sons had a schoolmate there and introduced him to the father. The son's friend asked the father if he could give him some tickets for a ride. The father told his son's friend, I am sorry, but I can't give you any of these tickets because I'm saving them for my sons. But his son spoke up and said, Dad, it's okay. I don't mind sharing. You can give him some of my tickets. When the father heard those words come from his son's mouth, he gladly gave the little boy some tickets for the ride. When you come to God the father, he looks at his son for the okay. Why? Because the gift of the ticket is dependent on the son. That is what we call grace. God's grace is inexhaustibly rich and saving and keeping power. God's grace is limitless and eternal, has no bounds. Your sins, they may be great and many, but God's grace is greater. In James 4, 6, it says, But he gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When the prodigal came to his senses, he humbled himself. Pride keeps you from humbling yourself before God. Pride keeps you from true repentance. Humble yourself before the Lord so that he may lift you up. Accept his grace or reject his grace. That is totally up to you. If you accept his grace, it's by faith. If you reject his faith, it's by unbelief. If you accept his grace, you'll be born again with a new life. If you reject his grace, you're dead in sin and the second death is coming for you forever. If you, if you accept his grace, all rights and inheritance will be restored. You reject his grace, grace no rights, loss of an all inheritance. First John 3, 1 through 2. 
Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. No flesh shall inherit the kingdom of God. God is spirit. So that means only those that live in spirit can be with God. John 3, 3. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right? Nicodemus, that which is of born of flesh is flesh. But that which is of born of spirit is spirit, was John 3, 6. 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Make an effort to know God today. Grow. Mature. Wake up. Get your flesh in submission to the Spirit of God. How do we do that? Fast. Pray. Come dine with the Lord. His mercy endureth forever. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Embrace his grace. John 1, 16 through 17. And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace is the gift of Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can give it. His grace is a full payment of your debt, your crimes, your sins. He paid it all. Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in the sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? If you killed it, how can it still be alive? Romans 6, 14 through 16. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know what to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading into righteousness. You can't serve two masters because you will love one and hate the other. Whomever you serve, you are a slave to that master. Are you a bondservant of Jesus Christ or are you a bondservant of Satan? Because there's only two. 
You either serve God or by default you serve the enemy. The enemy's name may be a, a name that we're familiar with. There is no other God. People say, you know, who created God? God always been. God always will be. God is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He was not bound by time. We're bound by time. He's eternal. He has always been there. We have a beginning. God is the beginning. <laughs> Being confident of this, this is Philippians 1 through 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. His grace is enough for you. Choose you this day whom you will serve. His grace is enough. He paid the ultimate price. He did it for you. He did it for me. The questions I ask, are you a slave to your own sin? Are you captive or held in bondage and have no idea where you're headed if you were to die today? Come to your senses. Stop running. Return to the Father because he's waiting with, for you with open arms. Do an about face. Repent so that times of refreshing may come to you. And that you can be in the presence of the Lord. Let the angels in heaven rejoice of your repentance. Did you know they do that? When you, sit, when you repent, your sins are washed away and the angels rejoice for you. That's awesome. Now, for those who think that you don't need God and you don't need to repent, be careful because pride, the sin of pride, is at your door. When we think of that pride, do you know that pride was birthed in heaven? A sin. I thought sins can't be in heaven. The sin of pride was in heaven, in the glory of God, with the angels there, with God there. It was birthed in heavenly places. And we're over here thinking that it can't happen to us. That we can't be deceived. Your own foolish pride can be the owner of the keys of your eternal inheritance. Come back to the Father now. Come back to the Father today. While he stands waiting for you out in afar. While he stands with his arms wide open. Now, not tomorrow, not next week, today. You're here for a reason. 
We have people from Texas. We have people from Florida. We have people from different parts of the world that are in this room today, and you're supposed to choose you this day whom you will serve because there is no longer time. You think you're here on coincidence? My whole family's here today. Some of them didn't even know I was preaching today. From different parts of the country. My brother's from Germany. I've been praying for you, bro. You're here for a reason. This word may be for you only. I may have been speaking to everyone here. I only looked your direction a little bit. But that word was for you, bro. You know who you are in Christ. And I'm not trying to call you out. I'm not trying to embarrass you. But you're my brother, and I am my brother's keeper. Come home and stay home. Stop with the prodigal religion. Stop going to and fro. Stop living the prodigal religion and serve Christ for who he is. God bless you, church. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all your constant prayers. If you have been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning very soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, and may he be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.